Well, today is a day that you are in for a special blessing as you get to hear from Richard and Daphne Gaspard today. We've been in this series called 2020 Vision, and I even said last week, hey, we're going to kind of interrupt this to this week. But really, I, I don't think it's so much of an interruption. I think it's really more of the exclamation point that's going to be there when it comes to having 2020 Vision. Because you're going to get to hear their story and, and what they've gone through and how they've been able to even going through what they've gone through, how they've been able to see a vision that God has for them and how they can rise above what they've gone through. And so I'm not going to share any more of that, but I'm going to allow them to share that with you. But let's give a welcome, welcome to Richard Daphne. Well, good morning. I'm Richard, and this is my wife, Daphne, and we're from Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, hey, there we go. I'm not used to being people being so excited from, being from Lafayette. There you go. All right. Um, so we're Cajuns, may I? Yeah. Right. So we, uh, you know, we were a ministry family. I was on staff at a really large church there in Lafayette. Uh, Daphne was the women's ministry director of the church. I was there for uh, 14 years. Uh, she was women's ministry director for nine of those years. Uh, we have two daughters who grew up in church. They were both, uh, you know, worship leaders in the youth. You can see there's a picture of us. This is Father's Day of 2015. Uh, this was like our little Gaspard family band. So I got, you know, me singing and playing bass and my background vocalists. Um, and then the next picture here is of us at Christmas of 2015. And so on the left is Katie. You can see she looks a little bit different than in the first picture. And then second from the left is Kylie, our oldest. Kylie actually just finished uh, her third year at Hillsong College in Sydney, Australia. Uh, incredibly talented singer, worship leader, multi-instrumentalist. Uh, she's just uh, really, really talented. And then uh, here we have a picture of Katie as, uh, you know, young, in her younger days. She was our little soccer star and uh, just a beautiful girl. And uh, we just kind of want to talk to you today about our journey with Katie and some issues that we uh, had as a family. And a little bit about Katie. Um, when she was, uh, I say K3, her teacher said, and this kind of like encompasses who she is as a person, was as a person, um, Katie is 100%. She is, if she's going to be good, she's 100% good. But if she's going to be bad, she is 100% bad. So if we can harness all that for good, we'll be doing a great thing. So all you parents that think that, oh, no, how am I going to make it? There is hope. Um, and she was, uh, she loved Jesus. One of the words we use in southwest Louisiana is kanai. But she was a little bit kanai, and that means mischievous. Um, she wasn't perfect. Thank God we can be perfect. And we, can, we don't have to be perfect to love Jesus, right? Okay. So she loved Jesus with all her heart. She wanted to serve him. She went to um, a summer camp when she became a, a teenager. And she came back and she said, Mom, I know what I want to do with my life. I said, oh, what is that? I, God wants me to start a Bible club at my school. So she went from a small Christian school to a, the largest junior high in Lafayette, and she started the very first Bible club. And that was a, a picture of her um, that day. She brought donuts, meshes, donuts. Um, <laughs> and uh, she, that, she had that class filled with kids 
she uh, asked for prayer requests. She prayed for those kids. She um, did a devotional with them. She knew what she wanted to do with her life, and that was just to serve Jesus and to tell people about, about Jesus. Um, a little bit after that happened, um, she was doing this Bible club, but later on, we noticed bruising on her. Now, she was very 100% aggressive in sports also, so we weren't super concerned about it, um, but these bruises just could not be explained. So um, we, I took her to the doctor. He said, no real cause for alarm, but let's just go ahead and order some blood tests. So on a Monday morning, um, Richard took her to get her blood drawn um, at 8 a.m., and at 9 a.m., had a call from the doctor, and he said, go get Katie from school. Her platelets are five which I had no clue what that meant at that time. Platelets give your blood the ability to clot. Um, so she was at 5,000. Normal platelet count is 150 to 300,000. So he said she could fall, skin her knee, and bleed to death. And within that instant, our life changed. I rushed over to pick her up from school, um, brought her to the emergency room, and there they started Tons of tests, she got transfusions, you know, what was causing this. They gave us an initial diagnosis of aplastic anemia, which turned out it was actually something called MDS, myelodysplastic syndrome, which they consider pre-leukemia with the mark, that is the marker for the worst form of leukemia, and the only treatment is a bone marrow transplant. A few weeks later, we're headed to Houston, to Texas Children's Hospital, um, to get tested to see if we were a match for Katie. Um, and I think we have a picture there of us getting tested. We were not a mat, a perfect match, but she did have an unrelated, ten, perfect 10 out of 10 match for her transplant. And we were on our way to Houston within just a couple of months for that to happen. Um, her medical history is very extensive. And I know that you want to sit here for hours and listen to me talk about medical stuff because that's what you want to do on your Sunday. But I have a video um, that kind of explains her journey. Katie Gaspard has spent months in and out of hospitals. And as our Kendra LaFleur reports, she hopes to be cured soon by finding a match. The Kids Specialty Center has been a second home to Katie Gaspard since April when she was diagnosed with aplastic anemia. I had just gotten on a soccer team actually and then I had to quit because my immune system was so low and I didn't have any blood platelets. Each week she spends hours in the hospital getting transfusions. She needs a bone marrow transplant. Family and friends have been tested but no one has been a match. Now they're looking to the bone marrow registry. I feel like if I didn't have any faith in God then I wouldn't know what to do next in this situation. So. Um, I guess I just don't have any fear because I trust that God's going to heal me. Inhale, hold my breath inside my chest while I awake at night. I can never get no rest, waiting for a yes, take a guess, feel it coming up, I can hear the silence, can't believe it's just begun, it's one, it's two, I just wanna be you, I'm suffocating, the walls are caving in, losing my mind, losing sleep, got my demons after me, it's just a phase, so hopefully, I'll find who I'm supposed to be. Through the night 
amazing Katie Mack is what we like to call her and the years in the hospital we spent probably about two years living at Texas Children's Hospital were a parent's worst nightmare we watched our daughter suffer day in day out with not really a whole bunch of control of what could be done for her and all we had was our faith we weren't new to faith We've been serving God a long time. We knew everything that we were supposed to do. We were away from family and friends about three and a half hours. So we had each other, we had our faith. And we knew what to do. What do you do when stuff like this happens? You pray and you believe and you wait for God's answer. You wait for God to answer your prayer and you stand on his promises. So this was the time that we would put our faith into action that we had, you know, learned about God almost all of our lives. We believed his, did we really believe his promises? Did we believe that God was who he said he was, a healer? Katie never doubted that God was going to heal her. We never doubted that. 
We prayed, we believed, and we stood on that promise the whole time. But something that we also have to remember is that God is not a magic genie in the sky that just grants every single one of our wishes. Even though that wish and that thing I prayed for was a good thing, Katie being healed here on earth is a good thing. But that's not what God's plan was. God is a loving father. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants good things for us. And we just have to remember to trust him no matter what and to know that we're just a little part of a much bigger plan. You know, we had seen God do some great things through us in ministry. And, um, you know, on some level I was kind of expecting that because we were in ministry, because we were giving our life to letting people know about Jesus, that we were kind of owed it for Katie to be healed, for Katie to, to come through this. You know, and that wasn't happening. And the obvious question that comes to mind when things like this happen is why? God, why is this happening to such an innocent girl? And I gotta be honest, I, I would even ask the question of, why this happened to my kid? She's a good kid. Why couldn't this have happened to some bad kid? That's a horrible, horrible place to be. And I started to shift my thinking, and we, we would discuss this, and I, and I wanted to get away from asking why for several reasons. As I began to think about, think about this, and, and look, we were left with a lot of time to think, you know, living, living in the hospital. But um, one of the things about why we've chosen not to ask why was that the question will never get answered. Right, I could sit here, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and pick on my Cajun friend over there since she was very uh, excited about being from Lafayette. <laughs> Man, why you like being from Lafayette? Because <laughs> the people are nice and the food is good. I can't deny that. <laughs> why? Why? We're going to interject God into the Cajun lifestyle. Okay. Why? Why? See, at, at some point, there's, there's no getting. And so whatever she would tell me, no matter how much sense it would make, if it made sense, would, would I could just come back with why. And so it's a road that will go down and never come out of. God could have... God could have easily just told me why. And what would have been my next question? Why? So another reason is, even if we knew why, it wouldn't have changed the facts. Again, God could have spoken to us as to why this was happening, but Katie would have still been sick, and Katie would have still passed away. And knowing why wouldn't have changed it. It wouldn't have made it any better. Another reason is according to 2 Corinthians 5, 7, ours is a faith walk, not by sight. You know, we're not called as Christians to walk by everything that we see. We're supposed to walk by faith. You know, there's a, there's a saying, 
uh, in the church world that God doesn't ever give you more than you can handle. That's actually a misinterpreting of the scripture. The scripture says that we're never tempted beyond what we are able to bear. I would also say that God didn't give this to us. He allowed it to happen. And if God only allows things to happen to us that we can handle, then there's never a need to trust him. Because we're to walk by faith. And another one for me, as I begin to think about this, and, and this became very, very, very huge for me, and that is this, that if we elevate our need to know why above the sovereignty of God, then we've made an idol out of our desire for knowledge. Again, if we're supposed to walk by faith and let our faith be what guides us, then if we supersede that above God being sovereign, we've totally made an idol out of our own knowledge. And at that point, we didn't want to have any kind of idolatry or be guilty of anything like that because we just wanted to be in a complete place of trust with Katie and with our family. And the truth of the matter is, a lot of times as Christians, as Christ followers, we think that because we follow Christ, we love Jesus, we serve him, that bad things are not going to happen to us. And that is totally not true. This is what Jesus said himself in John 16, 33. In this world, you will be plagued with times of trouble. So it's going to happen. And sometime in your life, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have difficulties. But the second part of this verse, the great part, says this. So it says, in this world, you will be plagued with times of trouble, but you need not fear. I have triumphed over this corrupt world order. We live in a fallen, broken world, a corrupt world. And not only that, we have a real enemy. The Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's his goal. He wants to steal from you, to kill from you, to destroy you. Here's the difference between Christ followers and those who don't know, know Jesus. When you know Jesus and something like this happens, he's there. We have hope. When you know Jesus, you have hope. When you don't know him and you're going through this, you're left hopeless and you're left alone in total despair. We like to quote Romans 8.28. Here it is. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But we forget that before this verse, in the beginning of the chapter, the whole chapter is about suffering. The whole chapter is about, how, it talks about how the earth groans waiting for Jesus' return. It talks about how weak we are, our weaknesses. And then it says, God works for the good of those who love him. So that it's in all this, in all your suffering, in everything you're going through, right in the midst of it, God is working something out for good. In the voice, it, it's worded this way. I just, I just like to reference it. It's, it says, we are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful. When we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. 
God will work out something even in the midst of your suffering when you trust him. You are not going, may not be going through the same thing we went through, but everybody is going through something, guys. Everyone has some hard times, difficulties that they're going to face in their life. And right in the middle of it, just know that God is working. You may not see it with your eyes, but he's working. We, um, when we would pray for Katie, you know, every day we were praying for Katie, of course, for healing. And um, sometimes we have, I have like a laundry list of things that I need God to do. <laughs> like, God, I need you to do this with, you know, all her medical issues. This, this, this. Check this off. Check this off. And then after you've completed all that, then her healing will be there. That's not trust. That's not trust. That's not surrendering everything to God. That he had Katie's best interest at heart. And so I stopped praying that way and I just started praying, God, what is your best for Katie? I want that. And we started praying God's best for Katie and for us because he loves her more than we do. And so we, sur we surrendered that. That is trusting, that is faith. And can I tell you that God's will is always healing. I'm gonna say it again. God's will is always healing. It may not look the way that we think it should look, but it is always healing, and we just need to trust him. So we stopped asking the why questions that you automatically go to as human beings, why, 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 and we started asking different questions. We started asking what. God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do in us? What do you want to do in Kylie, in Katie? What do you want to do in my family? And then we started asking how, and this was a big one when you're going through something. God, how are you gonna glorify yourself in this? Because it looks horrible to me with my eyes. How are you gonna glorify yourself in this situation? How are you gonna glorify yourself in, in us, in this? You know, asking that why question kinda makes it all about us, doesn't it? When you say, why did this happen, the, the subtext of that is, why did this happen to me? But when you ask what and how, you're asked, it, it, the focus is all on God. When you ask God, God, what do you want to do in me through this? That's based in assumptions in the faith that God is going to do something in you. And when you, got, when you ask God, God, how are you going to glorify yourself in this situation? That's also based in the faith that he is going to glorify himself. So we tried to get our eyes off of what we were going through and to get our eyes on what God was doing in the situation. Reading my Bible one morning, I, I came across a scripture that I feel like really answers that why question from a, from a scriptural point of view, let's take a look at John 9, 1 through 7. This is speaking about Jesus. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, I want to stop there for a second. And notice the scripture says that his disciples asked this of him. This was not the Pharisees. This was not the religious leaders trying to trick him, as they often tried to do. This was Jesus' 
own disciples. So it was a legitimate question that they were asking from their rabbi. So, you know, I mean, these are people who, are, they're, they're following Jesus. But their humanness comes forth in it, right? So to this legitimate question, this is what Jesus had to say. And I love what Jesus says about things because it's never what you think that, you know, someone would say. And, and I just love that he says this. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud, put it on the man's eyes, told him to go wash, and the man was healed. So it's very interesting to note, they had this legitimate question. And he, his response to that, in essence, was, this has happened not because of anybody's sin, not because anybody did anything wrong, but this happened to give me the opportunity to glorify God and while I am here on this, work, on this earth to do the work of him who sent me. So obviously there's a lot of believers in this room and you know, Christians like to go around saying things like, I just want to be like Jesus. Oh, I just want to be like Jesus. But what does that even really mean? When faced with a situation, if you say you want to be like Jesus, we often don't even know what that really means. Well, I've just given you a very concrete way to be like Jesus. When hard times come, when something happens that you can't really explain, and people are like, why did this happen? This happened, perhaps, to give you the opportunity to bring God glory and to work as hard as you can for him while it is still called today and while you still have breath in your lungs. So another question that, a question that we got from a lot of people was, how did you guys do this? How are, how are you going through this? You know, we had people saying, oh, you're so inspiring and all of this kind of stuff. And we just, we never felt inspiring. We, you know, we just were two parents trying to navigate this incredibly difficult situation with our child. But if we go back a couple of years, uh, fall of 2013, Daphne actually got a job offer. That was more money. It was, it was $500 more a month, which is a pretty decent raise. And um, we took the opportunity at that point, instead of raising our standard of living, we decided we would actually lower our standard of living and pay off debt. And we had, you know, a, a considerable amount of debt. And so in a year, we paid off $19,000. Um, you know, with a $6,000 raise, we paid off $19,000 in debt. And, um, you know, the, using the debt snowball technique, you guys are, some of you are familiar with that. But what we saw was not only a debt snowball, but we saw like a blessing snowball happened because with every credit card we paid off, every medical bill we paid off, I would post on social media just the blessings of God, you can't outrun God, all the Christian phrases, right? And, um, and just, but, but we were so excited, we were seeing God bless us. I was doing a lot more freelance work. I used to do commercials in, in the Lafayette area and everything. And uh, so I, I, I did a lot more of that, a couple of album projects and, 
and, um, the, and God was blessing us. Well, in around uh, late September uh, of 2014, I was at work. Uh, you know, I worked at this church, and my, one of my coworkers' dad came in. He was going to take him to lunch, and uh, his name is Ricky. And I saw Ricky in the foyer of the, uh, of the office area of the church. And he goes, hey, man, I'm glad, I'm glad I ran into you. I got a question for you. I'm like, sure, what's up? He says, back in the day when you were in music school, I used to see you playing upright bass all the time. And uh, you don't play anymore. You know, and I was like, yeah, because I, I, I always use one of the school's instruments. And um, he's like, well, what is, a, what is a good upright bass cost? I was like, well, you know, a, a cheap plywood bass is like 1000 bucks." And he's like, what do you want? And in that moment, you remember the Christmas story, the little messy Marvin kid? You know, I want the red rod to be begun with the side on the side of the, you know. It just came pouring out of me. Well, I want, a, I want an Eastern European fully carved gamma style base. Like, like, you guys all know what that is, right? I mean, obviously. Uh, and so he's like, well, what, is, what do those things cost? And I was like, well, I mean, you know, three, four thousand and, and on up. I was actually in town earlier this week for a music educator's event, and I got to play a $16,000 upright bass. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I almost, I joked about, like, doing a little meme saying, me, Daphne, we need to stay on a budget and watch our spending. And then a picture of this, also me. I want this. <laughs> but, but anyway, so he says, God put you on my heart, and I want to help you buy an upright bass. Yeah, like two weeks later, he gave me $2,500, and I had a freelance job that I had done, and so I had that money after paying tithes. I bought an upright bass, uh, a, a fully carved Romanian-made gamba-style bass in Houston, actually, uh, for $36 out of my own pocket. And so we have, we have a picture of it here with me, with me playing it. So that's my, that's my upright bass, right? So the day that Ricky told me that he was going to do this, I was driving home, and, you know, at that time, we had paid off all this debt, and Daphne was kind of struggling with the fact that she wasn't able to devote as much time to women's ministry as she was uh, when she was working for me at the church, and, uh, and we were discussing her going part-time or whatever, and so, you know, the blessings were coming, and we were just discussing that, so I'm driving home, and I'm doing what, what Christians do when somebody blesses them, I'm thanking God for the blessing, and I'm praying for the guy who, who gave us the blessing, right? That's what you do. And so I'm, I'm praying. I'm just, uh, you know, it was a wonderful drive home. And, uh, and I was, you know, thanking God for Ricky, praying that God would bless Ricky. And in the, right in the middle of that, I felt the Lord speak to me. And he said this. And I'll, I'll never forget, I, even the way it sounded. He said to me, in the grand scheme of things, whether or not you own an upright base is completely immaterial. But just know that if I can get this thing to you in this way, you can trust me with anything. So I went home and I said, Daphne, I think that's for you. God's got us. Quit your job if you want. He's going to take care of us. So that was late September 2014. Let's fast forward to April 13th, 2015. When an hour or so after I had dropped Katie off from school, after taking her to have her blood test done, and Daphne calls me and says, Katie's got this severely low platelet count. We've got to go to the hospital. 
I get in my car, a car that I bought cash with one of my many freelance jobs. Driving to the hospital, I'm crying, I'm freaking out. I pull into the last parking space at Women's and Children's Hospital in Lafayette, Louisiana. I turn off my car and I grab the door handle. And the spirit of the Lord brings back to my memory my upright base. And then he asks me, do you still trust me? And at that moment, I said, God, I've been bragging on you for a year and a half about how you helped us get out of debt and how you've helped us pay off those bills. And if I now say I don't trust you because hard times are obviously coming upon us, then I'm the world's worst Christian. I said, God, if I say I don't trust you, I don't deserve any of what you have ever given me. And I said, God, absolutely. I trust you. I trust you with Katie. I trust you with my family. I trust you with everything. Did I understand any of it going on? No, absolutely not. But I knew that I had to trust. And that's what faith is. Faith is this. We kind of came up with our own definition of what faith is. It's not knowing the answers, not understanding the answers, not agreeing with the answers. That's a big one. But trusting anyway. Faith is all about trust. Walking, not by what we see. It's about believing, trusting, and standing. How long do you stand? To the very end. You just keep standing on God's promises and on his word. And a perfect picture of faith to me is what Richard wrote in the first chapter of our book, which we have... Um, written about our story, but then also everything that God has shown us through it. So we do have a book available. But in the first chapter, um, Richard writes about the night that Katie passed away and being in that room. And by that time, before this, you have to understand that Katie was supposed to die probably 50 times a year. I mean, I don't know. She'd gone through many, many life-threatening situations. Um, and the doctors, every service at Texas Children's Hospital, she'd seen every, every service. All the doctors were like, oh, well, it's Katie. So this is normally what would happen, but it's Katie. So she'll probably make it through. And they called her resilient. Every doctor, Katie's resilient. So she'll probably make it through this. This time was different. And we knew it was different. And the doctors said, there's nothing more we can do. By that time, she was on uh, a ventilator at the highest setting. She was on all blood pressure medicines to keep her blood pressure up. She was on multiple antibiotics and uh, hydrocortisone, lots of drugs. She was on 24-hour dialysis because she was in kidney failure at this point. She was overloaded with fluid. She was battling a very rare form of pneumonia. She was battling something called hemolysis, where they would try to give her blood, and she would just break down the whole every single bag that they would give her. And um, the doctors talked to, to us about 
how we wanted to proceed. And I'm going to read to you just this, this little excerpt. One by one, the machines were disconnected. As a last act of faith, maybe as a last act of desperation, as I stood in the corner of the room watching the nurses do their work, watching my sweet Katie lay there, I kept telling God that he could still work a miracle. I begged him to do just that. Dialysis machine disconnected and turned off. God, you can still work a miracle. It's not too late. I trust you. Blood transfusion, antiviral meds, antifungal meds, hydrocortisone, antibiotics, all disconnected and their pumps turned off. God, you can still work a miracle. It's not too late. I trust you. Blood pressure meds disconnected and their pumps turned off. God, you can still work a miracle. It's not too late. I trust you. Two pulled ventilator turned off. God, you can still work a miracle. It's not too late. I trust you. Katie was disconnected from everything but her pain meds so that her passing would be as peaceful as possible. Once everything was removed, I noticed how helpless and baby-like she was. We all huddled around her, holding her hands, cuddling up as close as we possibly could. She took a breath every five seconds or so, but the doctors assured us her heart was still beating. In that moment, I remembered how Katie would never want to go to bed without praying. Even at 16 years old, just as a little child would, she always expected bedtime prayers. I gathered our family around her and we held hands and prayed one final bedtime prayer together. When it was over, I looked up at the doctor, stethoscope in hand, the same doctor who so eloquently expressed his faith in Christ earlier, listening to her heart. Her heartbeat is still there, but very faint. A couple more breaths, five or six seconds apart, more tears, more hugs, more of us telling her how much we loved her, how incredibly proud we were of her and how amazing she was, more watching of my baby girl slip into eternity. And with one more listen with the stethoscope, at 4.59 a.m. on Thursday, July 20th, 2017, we heard the doctor utter the words we never wanted to hear. But in that moment, they strangely brought comfort. She's with our Lord. It's the chapter of a book that I didn't ever want to have to live through and write. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, and plans to give you hope and a future. It was Katie's favorite scripture. Katie believed that she was going to tell her story to thousands of people. As a matter of fact, about 30, almost 38,000 people have seen her funeral on Facebook Live. 38,000 people heard an incredible story of, of a, just an amazing young girl. And they also heard a very plain uh, depiction of the gospel. You know, when you look at that scripture, that... That scripture was given to the children of Israel when they were still in captivity. And by captivity, I mean slavery. And their deliverance didn't come for another 70 years. Which means that most of the people who that word was delivered to didn't live to see it. To see it come through. Kind of mirrors our situation with Katie. She never got to see the fruit that was born out of her life. When I think about that scripture, I, I, I think about this. 
the, the scripture says, I have plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. My thought is this, what good is a hope if you have no future? And what good is a future if you have no hope? But God promises both. And so, with all of that said, let's continue on with that, what I was just talking about, about the, the children of Israel being enslaved. The Thursday before Katie passed away, she was, I'm sorry, the Saturday before Katie passed away on the Thursday, she was intubated for the last time and we have a video of her. This is the very last video we have of Katie. She was a little nervous about going into her procedure, and she always wanted worship music being played uh, in her room. So let's take a look at, at this video. By all accounts, Katie was a slave to all of those machines at that point. Five days later, she was as free as free gets. And we as her parents get to now tell her story to all who will listen. And it's our way of what I said before, working as hard as we can while it is still called today to bring God glory. So I would submit the question to you because everybody's either going through something or is about to go through something or has just gone through something. And so I would ask you today, what are you going to do? Are you just gonna close up shop and say, you know what, God, you blessed me in the past, but that's it. Now that this trouble has come, I'm done. Or are you going to say, God, I trust you. God, I want to bring you glory while I still have breath in my lungs and while it is still called today. We've created a foundation in Katie's honor. As Daphne said, we have, we have books that we sell. We have jewelry that we sell. We want to give ministry scholarships to young women. Actually, our first scholarship we're going to give away will be this coming fall to a ministry program at our own church because that's the program Katie wanted to be in, and this would have been Katie's class this coming fall. And we're going to do good things for bone marrow patients at Texas Children's Hospital, and just however God leads us, we're just, we just want to do good things with this foundation. And it's our way of bringing God glory and working while we still can. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for everyone who is here this morning. God, I thank you that I had the opportunity to be Katie's dad. Such an amazing girl. God, people see her and think, 
What an amazing, courageous, brave girl she was. But God, when I see her, I see my daughter. And God, when we're going, th- going through things, other people might see us and think, man, they're brave, they're fighting it. But God, you see your child. And I thank you that we as your children can look to you because you have our very best interest at heart. God, we know that you are always working for, the, for our good and for your glory. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to speak to your people. And I pray that they would find encouragement in the words that we have spoken. That no matter what they go through, you are giving us the opportunity to use it for your glory. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. Thank you guys so much for allowing us to come and speak to you this morning. Thank you, Richard Daphne. You know, that certainly is a, a very difficult thing that they've gone through. And it reminds us when, when we talk about how God speaks, and it's usually not in an audible voice, of at least his audible voice, that God speaks through prayer. God speaks through circumstances. God speaks through his word, but he also speaks through others. And I believe that, that God has certainly spoken to a lot of us today about this, this way that, that we can be people, that we can trust him no matter how bad, no matter how difficult things get. That, that how incredible it is, this childlike faith of having a teenager share the simple theology of trusting God and saying, I'm still rising. I'm still rising. No matter what's happening, I am still rising. And she had a faith that continued to rise. Listen, this book is going to be available. It's $20. And Richard and Daphne are going to be outside, and they're going to sign it if you want. There's some jewelry that's labeled Still Rising that, that maybe for you, you heard today, this whole idea that, that is I need to be right. I need, I, I've been down. I've been kicked. I've been hurt. But I'm going to still rise. And maybe that's going to be a way for you to just remind yourself and even open up for you to share a story of how you can trust God through the most difficult of times. Maybe you were here today and you were hearing a lot of this thing about faith. And you're going, I, I don't even have that kind of faith. I, I, I don't even know what, what I want to believe about God. I, I, I'm very curious and I just don't understand. And you don't know what to do with that. That I would invite you to stop by our Next Step booth that's right outside these doors. And you can stop by there and just share with them. Listen, I, I think I need to take a next step with my faith, and I'm not even sure where to start. And they would love to help assist you. If you've got some prayer requests that you go, I just want to pray with somebody, our care team's going to be here at the front, and you could be praying with them. Hope you guys have a great afternoon, that you'll support Richard and Daphne, and we'll see you guys next Sunday.